Boom. <laughs> Hello and welcome to today's Just Chopsin podcast. And today with David and myself, we have Doug Aldridge from The Dead Daisies, amongst other bands, including Whitesnake, Dio, Burning Rain, Li- Lion, is it, Doug? Yeah. Lion Lion's my first band, yeah. Oh, right, How are you guys good. doing? What's good, shaking? man, and you? Yeah, we're good, man, thanks. How are I'm you? I'm good. I'm, I'm practicing for the UK tour right now. Yeah, yeah. As we just found out, you're coming to Cardiff next in two weeks. Yeah, a couple of weeks. So, or a little. Uh, I don't have the dates in front of me, but um, we are. We will be in Cardiff, and the rest in um, in England. Ah, oh, right. Okay. So we got. I mean, the, I only uh, um, I only saw a post earlier about you on your Instagram. You were coming in February, but that is yes. That is the U- that is a European tour that we're doing to make up dates that we had to cancel or not cancel, but postponed from 20. And um, so we're going to start February 2nd, I guess, something like that in Germany somewhere we start. And, but yeah, we're coming in about uh, on the 27th of this, of October, we leave for the UK. Oh, right. Okay. So we have, including Cardiff, we have eight shows. And um, with majority of them is with the London, I'm sorry, not the London, just the choir boys. The ah, choir right. Boys. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boys. So cool. we're really, we're really up for that. It's going to be great, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That'd be amazing. So let's learn a bit about you, Doug, if we can. Absolutely. So, um, I mean, where are you from exactly? Well, I, I grew up, <laughs> I grew up in the East Coast, um, but I basically. Uh, lived in California since I was 18. So, you know, I'm basically a Californian. Okay. But I grew up on the East Coast. I was born in North Carolina and lived in Maryland for a while. These are East Coast states. Mm-hmm. And then lived in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. Philadelphia was really where my family stayed and that's where they still are. And, um, and then I hightailed it out to LA after high school. So when you were 18, on your, on, I was on your own, was it Doug? Yeah, I just took, I had a car and I filled it up with, you know, I had a Marshall half stack or I had a, um, maybe, actually, maybe I only had a cabinet at that point. Maybe I had <laughs> something else as the head, but I had a, I had a, um, a, a Gibson Les Paul and a Fender Strat and I, and clothes, that's it. Oh, right, okay. So I got out, to, I got out here and I, I loved it. I there was a, a TV show that featured Los Angeles a lot called the Rockford Files. It was. Oh, right. Yeah, I remember it. Yeah. You, you, you had it over there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Jim Rockford. It was, um, yeah. Oh, who was the actor? Like James Garner. Yeah. Yeah. yeah James Garner. And I, I used to watch that after school and I was just like, man, I want to be out there. That's like, and then of course there was a, a little bit of a music scene happening because of bands like Van Halen. After I moved out to Los Angeles in 1981, it kind of blew up with all the, the L.A. strip bands. So uh, that's when Lion, we were like, we were more of a British sounding band. We had a British singer. He was from um, Newcastle area. And and we, our influences were early Whitesnake and Zeppelin and Thin Lizzy, Deep Purple, stuff like that, Rainbow. Yeah. So we were not like your typical, we, we, we looked like a hair metal band, but our sound was different. Oh, right, and okay. 
it was really cool but we we unfortunately didn't get the first record deal because of that it was our sound was not like poison or motley crew and um we signed a not a good we signed a bad deal but that's you know that's what happens yeah a lot of young bands seem to do the same thing i will tell young bands this i would say the most important thing to do is getting a get a lawyer to look over anything don't ever sign anything without a lawyer looking at it and explaining it to you because the wording you can't understand it yeah yeah uh, any i think most agreements are like that from anyone and they it's like uh, i mean yeah. even if you if you've got a lawyer's agreement they're pretty they're pretty tough to understand you know the phrasing is uh <laughs> yeah you know for it's normal people i just look at the price when the lawyer says okay it's either this much per hour or this is the the flat rate to get started and it's like okay so if a guy calls me then i'm not paying if i call him then i'll then i gotta pay yeah yeah, yeah. oh hey, that's a good thing isn't it i never thought of that we usually have to pay both ways well my guy is he, he's turned he, he'll call me up just to check on me and then he'll start talking about you know all kinds of stuff and i'm like we're, we're not on the we're not on the clock are we and he goes oh no 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 i called you and but yeah, if he if he called me back for business, I would pay. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. So, um, how old were you when you started playing guitar, then, Doug? I was eleven. Okay. And I learned some basic chords, like an e, an E chord and an A chord, like this, and a D chord and a G. And then, little by little, I I started to learn the intervals. And I started. Hey, that reminds me of. ACDC? Well, no, no, it's Smoke on the Water. Oh, is it? Oh, I thought it sounded like, um, oh, what's that ACDC song? Um, Highway to Hell. Anyway, Same thing. It, it was it was just my, that was the way I played the song, and I'd jam, we'd jam on that riff for hours. And then eventually, you know, you found out years later, it's not even how you play it. No, oh, right, yeah. Yeah, it's in a different key and whatever. But I, um, yeah, I, I started at 11 and I just was mesmerized by the guitar. Yeah, yeah. So did you have like a, a quality guitar or did you just have like a cheap stoneboard? No, I got a really cheap guitar from um, a department store and a, a little amp about this big. And I think it was 15 watts. So RMS, RMS, whatever that means. Um, and I took a couple lessons from a guy and he kind of, he just told me how bad my guitar was. And, um, of course I, I thought it was a great guitar until he said that. Then I started to realize, and I, I always, you know, I really wanted to have a Gibson. And so maybe a year or two later, I was, I would always cut grass and clean up at the house when I was a kid and my parents would give me a little money. So I had saved up maybe about a hundred dollars or something. And my sister's boyfriend was selling a, a, a Gibson gold top, a, a deluxe, Les Paul deluxe. And so she, I, he said $300 and I was like, okay. So I, my parents fronted me the money to get that guitar. And I never forget, I opened the case, I looked at it and I'm looking at, and I see it says Gibson, okay, cool. And then I looked down and I was like, wait a minute. I thought you said it was a gold top. And he, he says, it is a gold top. That's what it is. And 
I said, well, I thought a gold top was the same kind like Jimmy Page plays. He goes, no, 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 Jimmy Page, that's called a sunburst. This is a gold top. And I was like, pretty ugly, but all right, I'll take it. And it turns out it's my favorite. This is actually not a Gibson. This is a, a copy of it kind of by a company called Scala. But oh. I, now this is my favorite color of any guitar. It's the gold top. Yeah, I was going to say, you still got it. <laughs> Obviously, it's not the same one. No, I've got a, I've got about six or seven gold tops of various things. But my buddy Leo Scala made this for me. And um, it's a copy of a 54 style Les Paul. But he... He's got his own tricks and stuff that he does, but it's it's a great guitar that he made. He named it the Golden Ruby, which is he named it after my daughter. Her name's Ruby. So awesome. um, I've been taking this on uh, along with a couple Les Pauls. Has been taking this as well. Yeah, yeah. All right. So you start. You joined Dead Days in 2016, did you? Yes. I, I had basically, um, in a nutshell, I can tell you. You know, I played in various bands and did lots of sessions and did this and that through the 90s. And in 2002, 2001, Ronnie, Ronnie James Dio asked me to join his band. And we had a great time. We, we made a record, we did a DVD and we toured the whole year. And um, it's first time for me to come to anywhere. I, mean, I had been to Europe and stuff and I, played a few gigs here and there, but had never properly played in, say, for example, London. So at first time was with Ronnie, it was amazing. And, uh, and then um, later on that year, we were winding up and David Coverdale asked me to, if I would be interested in doing a, you know, he's going to reform Whitesnake and do two months, just a two month run. And I said, yeah, I would love to, you know, and um, two months turned into like 11 years and a bunch of recording and touring and just a big, great part of my life, you know, great learning experience, working and writing with David all the time and learned so much from Dio. But eventually um, I had a son that was four at that, at this time in yeah. 2014. And it was getting, uh, I needed to be with, I needed to spend time with, I'd been gone way too much and so i had to step out of white snake yeah which was you know i knew white snake's going to be fine they they found a great guitar player and carried on they're still carrying on and david's amazing he's like my big bro but i just needed time with the family and it's the best decision uh, i ever made really uh, because um it's just it's, he's the most you know kids the kids are the most important thing in your lives obviously so I was take. I took this gig in Vegas, and I just was just getting. I was really bored. It was a great gig. It was like really good money, and playing every night with. I was playing with Howard Lees from Heart and Hugh McDonald from Bon Jovi and uh, Jay Shellen and uh, Robin McCauley, Paul Shortino, Andrew Freeman from Last in Line. All these. Uh, great was that that raid in the Rock Vault? Yeah. Show. Yeah. So I was doing that. And it was me and Howard and on guitar, and it was a blast. Howard is, he is, uh, he's an amazing person, Ma amazing musician, great guitar player, great, funny guy, man. He's like a rock and roll outlaw, like a real outlaw. Like don't mess with Howard Lee's because he'll, he'll pull out a knife and he will slice <laughs> you. 
He's he's like that. I go, well, he, he would always give me knives for Christmas or birthday or something. I go, well, why not? You need, he'd lay out his knives backstage. All his knives would be on this dressing room. I go, well, how come you don't just wear one on stage? And he goes, you know, that's a good idea. And he took the biggest one and he strapped <laughs> it on every night. But anyway, I was just getting burned out with that gig. And, and um, I'd be in, in hot. I mean, Vegas is amazing, but it was just hot. Yeah, yeah, I could. I got. I still have my home in L.A., so I came back here. And right at that time, um, Glenn Hughes called me and said, "Hey, I'm doing this tour. My guitar player can't make it. Could you, if you want to, could you do it? I need somebody I can trust, you know." And and I'd known Glenn for a long time anyway. Um, so I, I did that, and that got me back on the road. And and then I got a call from the Dead Daisies that that Guns N' Roses was forming and. I knew about the Daisies because, you know, Brian Tishy and Marco and John Krabi were all buddies of mine. And then they said that uh, Richard and Dizzy were going to be heading back to, to they were going to reform. Yeah, and that. So they offered me the job and said, we're going to make a new record with you and make a fresh start. And uh, so I joined in 2016. So that's that's up till the Dead Daisies. Yeah, yeah. Because I saw an interview with you, uh, with David Coverdale, actually. It was like um, 10 questions or something uh, on the internet, you know. And, I mean, I bet you couldn't believe your luck, really, could you? Because, I mean, you look like such a fan. You know, you come across as such a fan of these bands. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're playing with them and it's like, wow, it's like it's like a magic moment, really. Well, it really is. I mean, if you, if I, when I was a kid, if you told me I would have been playing with I mean, I, my first exposure to Dio was was um, Rainbow Rainbow uh, on stage, the live album with Rainbow, and that still to me that version of Mistreated is just really special, and that whole album was just incredible guitar playing, and his singing was so. And then I think it was after that I could be mistaken, but at some point he he put out they put out Heaven and Hell with him and Black Sabbath. And um, so I loved him and that, that was like, you know, working with him was incredible. He was, he made me into a, a much more fierce guitar player, like more, the way he owned the stage, you know, it was like really, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was like how you would imagine Stevie Ray Vaughan would be like, you know, there's no fear. I don't care, turn the recording light on. I haven't warmed up yet, let's go, you know? Hmm. And that's how Ronnie was, he, he just, we did a gig once in uh, London in 2005. I was filling in again, and um, we were late. Get we, the, he had, his friend wanted to drive us to the gig, and he got lost in London, and it was raining. And we were videoing it that night. We were going to do a video shoot, and it was like we were late. And Ronnie didn't get a chance to warm up. Didn't get, he basically just got a chance to put his, his clothes on, and we jumped on stage. And he was killer. And he actually had a cold too. He had a, no. a cold and that's how ronnie was and then to you know to get the offer with david i was like it's oh, incredible it's two months it's going to be a it's going to be like a joy ride because i loved early white snake i loved yeah, the yeah. the flight in album too especially was the, like the last one i mean of course the 87 record was a phenomenal um record for songs and guitars hmm. and um so yeah i was very excited about that but Later, we started to hit it off, you know, and start writing and writing a lot. And that was a, 
amazing experience. You know, just me and David brainstorming musical uh, ideas uh, and it's really, really cool. So um, if you had told me at that time that I was listening to say Burn album or, or Heaven and Hell that I would be working with those guys, that would have blown, I would have probably would have not been able to pull it off because I would have, I just wouldn't have believed it, you know, <laughs> yeah, that, doesn't, yeah. that doesn't make any sense. And, and then Glenn Hughes as well. I mean, as a guitar player, you're, you're always looking and I've had a lot of other singers too that I've worked with that have been, that have blown me away. But those are three, you know, greats there. Yeah, I would yeah. say. Because you do you have Michael Devon in your trio? M Michael Devon was yeah. Michael Devon's a great singer. Yeah, he's awesome. Right. I was just texting with Michael. I hadn't hadn't talked to him for a while. I'm trying to find out where he is. But he, um, yeah, he was singing in a trio with me and Brian Tishy thing we were doing just basically for fun we would just kind of tear through different covers and do our yeah. own versions of stuff like we would do beat it from michael jackson or whatever and it was it's a blast you know somebody all of a sudden tishy might play something and i would i would be like wait a minute and it's like oh that, he would play something that made me think of that and i'd start playing that and then he'd start going into the drum beat of i shot the sheriff <laughs> And we just go for it, you know. It's like Michael Devon was one of those guys. Is one of those guys that um, he knows every lyric. It's like any rock song that you come up with, he knows all the lyrics. It's just yeah, like they yeah. come to him right before. It. It's it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, he's got he's a great he's got a great voice. I mean, but you've worked you've you seem to have worked with great singers to be honest. I mean, David Coverdale's a fantastic vocalist. And Dio was yeah. the same. I mean, I'm lucky enough to have seen Dio in, I think, 94, 95, I guess. He played oh, in Newport cool. Centre. So, nice. yeah. So, I'm not, yeah, you know, I don't think David would have seen him, but... Uh, no, I've not seen Dio. <clears throat> he but, was yeah. incredible live. You can see him on DVD and stuff still. Um, they did, he's got... I did two DVDs with him. He did one with Viv, and he did one with Tony, Iomi, Heaven and Hell. DVD, and then there's tons of bootleg stuff. But yeah, 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 awesome guy and singer and and John Karabi too. I don't want to leave out John Karabi. John Karabi, I knew John from my days in Philadelphia in the '70s. He during high school, he was singing in a band, and um, and then he we all moved out to LA in the '80s, early '80s. But uh, I'd known John and. John's a great singer and a great guy. Yeah. He, he, um, he would make, you know, the Daisy shows with John were, are definitely have a backyard barbecue party vibe to him because it's very, very, you know, like hanging out together, cracking jokes, playing some music. And now we've got Glenn Hughes and it's a totally different thing. It's, it's, it's very, he's very, uh, really charming. And he's got great stories and he really connects with the fans, but it's a different, it's a, it's different. It's more of a musical thing now than, 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 than a, yeah. Than a party bit. type. Vibe. Yeah. And they're both great. They're both, both good things. But Glenn is such a uh, force, man. I mean, the way he still can sing and his bass playing, so you, and you, you hear it on Holy ground and, and you're going to hear you'll, if you come see us, or for those people that do come see us on this UK tour, 
we will um you will be surprised it's we're gonna have more power than the album we've got oh, right, okay. yeah yeah because yeah, yeah you just finished touring the states for that album then yep that was what, what day was that wednesday or thursday i think yeah um we finished friday last friday and we got home saturday and we're leaving uh on the 27th to, to come over but we're ready man it's like this the band is seriously rehearsed we've done i guess mm, 25 shows or whatever so they've been spread out a little bit because of you know covid stuff but um, yeah yeah so we're, we're up for it we can't wait yeah yeah i know there was a lot of disappointed fans at the steel house a few years ago yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you couldn't land your helicopter well uh, no we weren't going to take yeah. a helicopter it was um there, uh, we were the plane got grounded where we were going to fly to it couldn't wasn't allowed to take off because it was they closed the airport or whatever all right okay and we were going to fly and then take um trucks like like drive through trucks and we couldn't get there that we, no matter what we did if we started we were you know that's the thing we were too far away from the gig if we had been staying in that area then we would have been there yeah yeah and there was a you know the band got a bad rap about that but we wanted to play we would have played we'd play anywhere we don't yeah. care was Our that was that the there. week the, was that the weekend of the really bad weather dave yeah yeah it was the weather was awful oh. <clears throat> it was bad because well, yeah, um, we, we, make it either i don't know where we were but we we the flight we were planned on taking um, a flight on a on a private plane and couldn't couldn't take off and uh, so we decided okay we can try and drive but when we looked at the at the estimation of time uh, we weren't going to make it yeah. and it was just like ah, what the hell and you know so look my apologies to anybody that was upset with the band of course we didn't want to you know let anybody down but it was also that was a good opportunity for somebody i forget who it was it was black star riders or somebody had a go at us saying like yeah they couldn't take the helicopter couldn't take off so they couldn't they, they decided not to come what a bunch of you know yeah yeah, yeah yeah so that helped rile up the fans a little bit that wasn't necessary but it's okay yeah. <laughs> i i'm here to, i'm here to say i apologize for on behalf of the band and it probably will never happen again um and if we ever were lucky enough to to play that festival we would tear it up we yeah. did it a, a year earlier or something like that it was a, it's a great festival killer yeah, people yeah. great great time and um if i remember the weather was kind of kind of shite back then too <laughs> <was a> <laughs> bit. So, well, to be fair it's just I went this year and the weather was actually glorious. But it was really? the first time yeah, it was the first time in probably I don't know, six years that I've been and apart normally you've got tents <laughs> flying away, you wake up in the morning and yeah. people have gone home because they can't handle it and <clears throat> it's 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 Wales. That's that's just it's always gonna be bad weather in Wales, unfortunately. Well it's um it was good people that were there and it was a good a great audience and uh you know i would love the opportunity to play there again at some point it would be really cool um we'll see what happens yeah yeah, yeah. i mean yeah sometimes things are out of your out of your control you know and you can't do anything about it so well definitely is out of my control i would have 
I mean, I've played with with Whitesnake. We played a couple of things where um, I was just one time in Bulgaria. I mean, it came down so hard that um, you, like I could see my pedal board, everything started getting wet, and I could see my could I could hear my guitar getting quieter and quieter. Like my it was getting it got wet in the pickups or something, and I was just like, give me another guitar, you know. It was just sheets of rain coming down. There was nothing. And then, of course, the next day, we had to cancel because when rescheduled because the, all the gear was was soaked. Yeah. 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 yeah I bet. But yeah, these things happen. I mean, weather at a gig is is kind of you always put. If you can get through it and play it, people love you. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. They have a you know they'll stay in the rain. They don't care. It was, I mean, I don't know. If it's freezing rain, maybe that's different. But this was in the summertime. It was a summer storm, so it was yeah. it was really nice actually to have that energy of people rocking out. It's pouring down rain. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, right. I read on the internet once about you auditioning for Kiss. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I was I took it off Wikipedia or whatever, but then um, you you contacted Gene Simmons a few months later and he told you to lose his number. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. But then in 2000, 2016, was it you supported him on tour? Yeah. We've always been friends ever since that. You know, like he he was, um, he hit me up in 1991 to, to I had done a session with um, a band called House of Lords. And we had, we had done a, uh, some demos they, their guitar player left for some reason and we i did played on some demos for them and he was trying to get me to join the band i was already committed to another band touring but um i said do you remember the last time you spoke to me gene and he goes yeah i hung up on you and i was like yeah that's right <laughs> so don't don't beat me up about you know that i've committed to another band i'm gonna play i'll play on the record but i can't carry on after that so but and then I'd see him periodically. There used to be this thing in Los Angeles called Tai Bo. It was like a workout yeah. thing. You know? and Billy Blanks. Gene, yeah, Billy Blanks. You're That's right. right. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right, Dave. And um, so you'd go in there, and in the back row, there'd be Gene huffing and puffing, you know, trying to <laughs> keep up. And I'd run into him once in a while here and there. He was always really nice. And, um, you know, I think the big, the re, you know, I came out to Los Angeles and it happened to be they were looking for a guitar player and a girl came and said, I think you should audition. You're really a good player, you know? And so I said, well, I don't, I don't really believe that. I'll believe it when I see it, that that's true. I had no way of knowing or getting a hold of anybody. And, but she came, two weeks later, we played again, the band I was in, and she came back and brought Eric Carr to the gig. And he, he goes, um, well, I want you to audition. I'm like, wow. And I wasn't for sure it was him, but he had the right hair. But I, you know, people had not seen them without their makeup at that point. Yeah. So he called me. Um, I, was, I didn't have a phone at my house at that time, but uh, I was working in a music store. And he called me on a Saturday and said, come down and meet the guys. And I met them. And it was just bizarre. You know, I remember playing on some of the songs on Creatures of the Night as an audition in the studio, seeing, they wanted to see what I would play. And the good thing came out of it was Gene goes, hey, Doug, can, you're, can you play um, a major scale? 
on on this song a little bit a little use some more major notes i go well, what is that he goes you know do re mi fa so i was like oh man of course i can do that I, and i thought of michael shanker because in you know minor pentatonic is here and then major pentatonic is more ma you know major so i was thinking of michael shanker because michael shanker would go he'd mix the two so I did that and he was like, oh, cool, cool, cool. So he wrote down some songs and we, we got together and played and, but it made me realize, okay, I need to learn about music. I gotta get better and learn about music. So then we, we played and I was the first time playing through multiple Marshall stacks. It was freaking loud and it was amazing for me, you know, to, do, to play through eight cabinets that were all turned on, all for me. <laughs> and, um, and then I got invited back another time and, and uh, it's just, it's hilarious. So basically, you know, these guys were rock stars. I was just a kid, you know, they're talking about dating. I think Gene was dating Diana Ross at the time. And Paul had a famous girlfriend. And I was just like, could not relate to these guys. And I think that's the biggest thing about trying to get it to join a band. More important than you're playing is, can you hang out with this guy on the yeah. road? Because yeah that's more what it's about you know of course i could play the guitar fine but you know i don't think they would they would be comfortable with a kid you know on the tour bus and so a couple weeks later i called eric i go how's it going he goes yeah i think we got somebody um you know you and i said he said listen you've played really great we think you're great and you're gonna you're gonna do well but you need some more experience i mean you've never been on the road and it's 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 not like always fun like you think you know yeah I said, okay, well, you know, thank you. And that was it. And then, then they, when they were coming to town, I told my buddies, I'll, I'll see if I can, because Gene had given me his number. <laughs> so I said, I'll, I'll call him up. And he was just, who? Lose this number. <laughs> okay. But then, and I'll tell, I tell that story to Gene still, and he's, he laughs. He thinks it's hilarious, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why, why would you call me the day before the show? I got things to do. I was I was having a party. <laughs> yeah, just a couple, check us a couple of free tickets, Gene, and uh, we'll be okay. <laughs> I was asking for like six, I think. I had everybody. Oh. You know, I thought, hey, what's, why not? You know, and it's true. You, there's no harm in asking, and I was polite about it. I didn't get mad. I was I was more like you know, just did I? I hope I didn't upset them. You know, but yeah. yeah. Did, have you supported them in more times then, Kiss? Um, we did the Kiss Cruise with the Dead Daisies. We've done the Kiss Cruise. They've done it three times, I believe, overall. I've done it twice with the Dead Daisies. And okay. um, and that's a, that's a super fun cruise. If you're a Kiss fan, you have to do that. Um, because it's 24-7 it's, uh, it's everywhere you look and every piece of music you hear is Kiss. Yeah. And it's it's just super intensified, like a, um, it's like a, the opposite of a, if you were trying to detox off something, it's the opposite. You're going to get jammed <laughs> full of kiss <laughs> and it's for, you know, like I say, if you're a kiss fan, you must. Yeah. Do yeah, yeah you love it. Yeah. 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 Do you have and any trouble with your hearing then, uh, Doug? My hearing? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, you That's do. I was going to yeah. say, uh, you know, you don't use, do you use in-ears or anything? Or? I, I, do, I, st so 
basically, I didn't know how to use in-ears properly. So all the time with Whitesnake, I was using in-ears. And I just asked for um, a kind of a clean mix. Reb Beach used to say, I just, just make it sound like Frampton comes alive in my ears. And that's what I want. Live record, you know. Yeah. So I was kind of like going for that. And I'd make small adjustments, maybe a little more of this or a little less of that. But little by little, I'd end up cranking it more and more and more and more. And to the point where it was... Um, and I had already had a little hearing damage because I had gotten my head blown off by Ronnie a couple of times when he sing a note through the side fill and excruciatingly loud on stage. And then he wanted me to be louder than him, which was, uh, it was just, it kept getting louder and louder. So, but anyway, with White Snake, I, I started using in-ears and I'm using them incorrectly and it was just didn't, they got louder and louder. And I started having a little ringing after a tour. And then with the Dead Daisies, I was using them for three years and same thing cranking it to the point where it was like my head was just ringing i couldn't hear properly i was having a hard time pitching and singing so i started pulling them out and just listening to the back line the yeah, the yeah, back line yeah, again yeah. and then i decided you know what um i had done a couple gigs in between and i decided to use the foamies and just force myself to keep them in and get used to that and that seemed to help a lot. I could get my pitch better. I could hear better and less less ringing. But by now, my this ear has constantly got tinnitus. It's mm -hmm. like right now it's, and so this is my that's my good ear. But um, I was using the foamies on the first nine dates of this get out of the house tour with the Dead Daisies, and front of house engineer said, "You got to get back on the in ears because you know, whenever you go away from your amps, you're not." We're, we're having to chase you on stage with monitors and it's a lot of extra work. I go, yeah, man, but those things are just beating me up the, the in-ears. And, um, but I decided, I told him, I said, look, I'll give it a shot. I'm going to try something different. And I, what I basically did was just put only my guitar and only Glenn's voice and my voice. That's it. And turn it down so low that I hear the back line muffled. I hear the drums a little muffled but then I can hear Glenn's voice and my voice and my guitar and it, it's been working out. So I haven't been doing extra damage, but it's constantly like, you know, if like last night I went to a baseball game with the family and my son was clapping and it's like one of those claps just went right in and it's like, you know, yeah. it's just a problem. I'm going to be on um, hearing aids at some point. I mean, it's unfortunate, but that's just, that's just the way. So, Advice to anybody that's a concert goer or around loud things, definitely protect your ears because when you get in your 50s and later in my 60s and 70s, uh, it's going to be rough. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know, yeah. I mean, I've got tinnitus in one of my ears from yeah. loud music from, you know, multiple yeah. motorhead gigs and uh, I've seen, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. seen Dio and Iron Maiden a few times and, you know. Yeah. These, these things are loud, man. Yeah. Yeah. If you get gigs. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. If you get tinnitus, you it doesn't technically won't go away, so you don't want to get it. No, 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 I know. I've got it already. I've had it yeah. for a long time, but I've got yeah. it mostly now. I've got it pretty much constant now. So I'm fifty five as well, so mm. Yeah. And uh so who would you say is your ultimate guitar hero? I mean 
I mean, it, it varies. I mean, the ultimate, ultimate would probably be, if I had was forced to pick would be Jimmy Page because of his, uh, is like the whole package. I mean, he had, he had the, the songs and the riffs and the, his style was so cool. And when he, I didn't even know this, but you know, him doing stuff like when, when he did, um, in the beginning when they went, I'm sorry. That people had never heard that before, you know, that downstroke, sixteenth uh, notes or eighth notes, whatever. Um, it was like people were just like, "What?" It was like seeing Hendrix, you know. Yeah. And um, and and the songs, his songwriting. I mean, and the riffs, like that. He does it. I think he. Does it like that, but I always would go down to that's how I learned it. But and stuff like Cashmere, the Rain song, I mean, those it it's just and, and Black Dog, that whole thing. I mean, I know he they all wrote it together, but his guitar playing was just superb for me. Yeah. And the live versions of Days of Confused and since I since I um uh, Babe I, uh, since I've been loving you. Just the opening. Oh, sorry. It's just killer, you know. So I, I, if I have held to it, it would be Jimmy Page. But I, I love Gary Moore. I love Stevie Ray Vaughan. Jeff Beck it was probably my first exposure to an amazing guitar sound you know the, the the blow by blow record when i heard that uh starts up and it goes into the line and everything and because because we ended as lovers was that was that was my favorite song i think it because it covered you know he, would, he had a beautiful melody and it also covered you know style that was really rock and roll. And you could really hear his fingers on the strings. And then I got, uh, Peter Frampton, Frampton Comes Alive was big at that time. Yeah, yeah. But I eventually, through friends, discovered, I didn't know about bands like um, Deep Purple or Rainbow or UFO until I got around in grade school, 10th, 10th year, or ninth or 10th year. Um, the only heavy metal bands, I mean, Zeppelin wasn't really heavy metal, but I knew about Black Sabbath because prior to me playing guitar, um, I wanted to join this gang of kids. Like a wasn't a real a, wasn't a gang of bad kids. It was just like older kids that they they would hang out together and they had a name. And um, they said, "Okay, if you want to join this club, then that's what it was like a boys' club. If you want to join this club, you got to go get the Black Sabbath single for Iron Man." Okay. So I told my mom, can we go to the store? And I got this, I got the single and it had electric funeral on the other side. And when I heard Iron Man, I was like, wow, that's incredible. You know, uh, the, the guitar sound and Ozzy's voice and all right. that stuff. So, but yeah, so all those guys, Iomi, Blackmore, later when, you know, some American guitar players like Joe Perry and Ted Nugent, um, 
and the the Eagles and Almond Brothers, all that stuff was really, I really loved it. Um, Leonard Skinner, of course, but then Van Halen came out, and it was just like, what the hell is this? It just smoked me so bad. I couldn't, I can't tell you. Um, Were you ever fortunate enough to play with any of them guys? Um, not, I mean, I did a jam one time in Michael Anthony, I think was on bass. It was with Sammy Hagar. So I, that's why I want to say Michael Anthony was on bass, but, um, I met him a few times. I met, um, are you talking about all those guys? I've yeah. Yeah. To? All your musical, all your guitar heroes, if you like. I've ne never, not so much jam with them, but I've had an opportunity to, to meet them. And mm -hmm. so I've always been pleasantly surprised how nice these guys you know, people are, you know, they're just normal guys. Yeah. yeah. To, to us, these are like our heroes, you know, but uh, Jimmy Page is just a normal, nice guy. We, I was with Whitesnake. We were, um, we did a gig in, in, um, it was in um, Brighton, in Brighton, England. And it was on the Monsters of Rock tour. It had Gary Moore supporting us in YNT. I loved YNT and of course, Gary Moore is like one of the most ferocious guitar players ever with a ton of melody. And so I got to meet Gary that day for the first time. And it was awkward, but he was, he's very, he's very, he was very um, shy and it took a minute. And then he was, then he was okay. He was, but at first he, I thought he didn't like me. So um, then that day or on stage and Marco had said, Marco Mendoza had said something about Jimmy Page being there. And I was like, yeah, right, come on. And then I thought, oh, he does know David. But then I was like, yeah, he's just winding me up. So we get off stage and he goes, hey, Jimmy Page is outside. I go, come on, Marco. And I open the door and I go, Jimmy, Jimmy, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm just waiting for David, you know. I go, well, come hang out with us, man, come on. And uh, he came in and it was like super nice guy and he, he like, you know, we were just talking about gear, equipment, and he would light up when he was talking about gear. He didn't want to hear about all the typical stuff like, hey, well, what's it like being Jimmy Page? You know, like, you know, how do you do this? Or how, what's it like to do that? He, he was more interested in the technical stuff. Like, I said, Jimmy, can I ask you a question? Like, your main Les Paul, I mean, is that like, it should be in like locked up in like a vault or something, right? Because he goes, well, my, my guitar tech takes care of it. And then another time I asked him, you know, Jimmy, your acoustic sound live was always so great, man. I'm really struggling with that. And he goes, he pulls me aside. We're walking to the stage. We were getting ready to play. This is another time when he came out to see David. And he goes, what you got to do? Listen, there's the trick. You get a Barkus Berry piano pickup and you stick it on the front and and you don't run it through your marshals because it won't work. You got to run it through the, the front house PA. I was like, whoa. And I was like, okay, Jimmy, we got to go, man, because it's like everyone was already on stage and I'm still talking <laughs> to Jimmy Page backstage. <laughs> but a very kind man. I know there's, you know, lots of stories, but who, you know, all you can go by is your is your personal experience. But um and one of the other ones that was most important to me, I've, I did get an opportunity to meet Jeff Beck. That was cool. He was, he honestly, he didn't really, didn't care about me. He was, yeah. uh, he, I got, met him from Carmine and, and 
then karma and i met him and then i i went back home and i was in bed he goes hey man you want to come to the bar just coming down and i'm like i'm in bed dude he goes it's just back bro so i go okay i'm coming i'm coming so i go to the bar and and i get in the elevator and i see jeff and, I, and carmen goes hey jeff remember you met doug hey man how's it going it's like you know looking around so I, I hung out for a minute and then I went back home. But then I met him again <laughs> with David and he was really nice to my wife. But I said, yeah, I got a chance to meet you before. He's like, yeah, cool. That's it. You know, but, um, but yeah, there's always, you know, it's really been, I never thought I'd meet any of these guys or yeah, let alone yeah. pl play with the guys I've played with. So been yeah, very yeah. 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 I mean, well, you're a great guitar player, so, you know, well, thank I don't you. think it's any, um, I, I, what's the right sort of phrase? I don't know. I don't know how to say it really. I don't think you've done anything really wrong. You know, you've, you've, you're, you're a great guitar player. You've obviously learned your craft really well. Maybe you've been lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time. I don't know. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Lucky is a good way to put it because there's a lot of guys that will put me in the weeds, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. So you got to be, you know, you obviously you got to put the work in. You got to yeah. you got to work hard, and and but it comes from your heart. You know, I mean, the the best guitar playing is it comes from inside. I think you know, and that's what my my personality is probably complicated. So I've got some melody in my in my side inside that I want to get out. Melodies that, that make me feel good or bad or whatever, but emotional. And then there's times when I'm, you know, very, it's a, you know, a very heavy attack, you know, like mm -hmm. I, I want to, I, I have a, a kind of a fight in sometimes, mm -hmm. but, um, I, of all the guitar players, probably my, one of my biggest direct influences is Gary Moore because of that. Cause he, yeah. he would play with a lot of attack or Randy Rhodes too, but I don't, I don't, I would say more Gary Moore because of the, the melodies that he was more of a blues based um, and he'd have this crazy ferocious attack that I've tried to, you know, to use in my own way. Yeah. 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 Cool, man. Well, since as you're a world renowned guitar player, have you ever had any weird fan mail? Um, Anybody thrown any yeah. crazy stuff at you on stage or? Well, there's been there's been always you know the the, the odd uh, ripping of the trousers and you know stuff like that going on stage and you, you look down and you're like oh okay get some duct tape get some gaffer's tape <laughs> but um and then there's you know times when you're on stage and your guitar just goes dead and you feel and there's no feeling quite like that like you can make a mistake you can make a bad mistake on stage and it will never compare to you playing a, a really great show and then your guitar goes out and they can't seem to get it fixed. And the song's going on and on and on to the point where you go back and try and figure it out. There's no worse experience on stage than that for me. But um, it fortunately, it doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. You just got to you know, be ready for it. But um, fan mail, I think, you know, all with love the japanese are very intense and they write some very specific 
uh, fan mail that they'll, they'll hand, you know, you'll go by and, and they'll hand you something. It could be a boy or a girl. And it, you get in your room and you're looking at it and it's a three pages front and back of really perfect English handwriting, but like very specific questions about whatever from guitaring to, you know, shampoo or, or toothpaste yeah. or whatever, you know, or, you know, I know, you know, I noticed that you, um, you know, I waited for you all day and you, you said hi to me. It was nice, but I noticed when you came home, you seemed, um, a little drunken. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> one in the morning I'm in Tokyo and I, I'm, you know, yes, I was. And I'm, you know, I'm very concerned about your health. You know, I'm like, well, I'm 23 years old. I think I'll be okay. You know, yeah, yeah. thank you. You know, but right, cool. they're very kind, but it's just very like personal stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So did you see today that a Grateful Dead t-shirt has been sold for 17 and a half thousand dollars? No. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. A 1967 shirt. Um, from the vault property of grateful dead and friends sold for seventeen thousand six hundred and forty dollars making it wow. a new world record for the most money spent on a vintage rock shirt that's incredible yeah. the dead you know everything about that was those dead tours i guess maybe was one off so that would be a mm. a, a, a valuable thing if you're a collector and yes you know these days i mean i mean with the with the prices of everything that doesn't i mean i just did my taxes and so that doesn't sound like that big a number <laughs> to me. but um for a t-shirt well yeah for t i give you that for a t-shirt that's a lot <laughs> i don't know about in 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 um, wales or in in the uk but petrol here has oh, man, is yeah. now becoming like we're getting prices that you used to have yeah. which is very high for us. Yeah, we have in Holland as well. I mean, the price of petrol over here is going through the roof. It's like two euros a litre now, mm. which Not is, more year, yeah. which when, is, yeah. what's, a, what's a euro in a dollar? 180, 190 maybe? Mm. It's a lot. So, yeah. that's, so that's 180, 190 dollars a litre, which is a lot of money. I mean, that's I mean you were money. paying that in America for a gallon, weren't you? Yeah, we were. That was, were, that was yeah. years ago. Yeah, but but we um, we're coming up on five dollars for we're we're at five dollars a gallon now, which I don't think it's oh it's a lot it yeah. might have touched there a few years ago, but only for a second. But it's only going to get higher. Mm. Yeah, I don't think it's going to go down anytime soon. To be honest, it's a bit of a worldwide uh, thing going on, phenomenon. Yeah. So well, uh, you guys ran out of toilet paper as well during COVID. Uh, we yeah we did we ran out. <laughs> I, I, I I got I got I went to uh, when when the things started to get Harry I went to this we have do you have Costco I forgot do you have Costco? yeah yeah we, yeah we have a Costco yeah so I went to Costco and I got a bunch of water because that was my biggest concern and um, I got some food and I, they were out of toilet paper but I got paper towels and so that was that was you know was lucky to get that and then it, everything got shut and i didn't want to go out anyway i didn't want to i didn't want to i don't know if either of you guys have gotten COVID, but i haven't yeah i did i didn't <laughs> i didn't want to get it no you don't want to get it believe me yeah 
it's rough. So uh... my missus got it. Oh, did she? Yeah, she she went to a, a thing over, you know, not what you're supposed to be doing in lockdown. She went to her girlfriend's house and they were having wine and cheese and whatever. And she came home and a couple of days later she had COVID and we had to isolate her. And then I was Mr. Mom, you know, for the yeah, next yeah. two weeks, yeah. taking care of the kids. And if I li- if literally, if I went out of the room where my daughter was, She'd start going, Daddy, 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 where are you? I don't know. I can't see you. It's like, I'm just in the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) So Ruby is your youngest, is she? Yeah, Ruby is is five and Ryder is 12. And I've got Chelsea who is 20, sorry, 32. I flipped it. Nearly as old as me. Yeah. Well, (laughs) no, not quite. I hear you. I hear you. We but, all yeah. started a lot younger than you did, see? <laughs> yeah. It, it's, I, uh, my, my kids, are, I got a 28-year-old as well, so. Yeah. It's good when they're, you know, she, she does her own thing. She's been in L.A. for a while, and she's getting ready to head to have a little road trip, Colorado, which I just want her to be careful with all this crazy, you know, crazy people out on the streets these days. But, uh, she, you know, a girl's going to do what she's going to do at that age. Yeah. Yeah. My, my daughter basically has got me wrapped. My youngest daughter has got me wrapped around her finger. She, I have to work hard to like find way, the right way to say no. Yeah. yeah. Um, because constantly she's on me. You know. mm-hmm. Yeah. When you when you assess that, you have to let me know because my daughter's twenty six and she's still got me like that. Yeah. <laughs> she's moved out and married, and I still can't say no. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. It is. But uh, it's super fun at this age. She's five, so it's like that's that's fun. that's the greatest time. She's yeah. very curious and, and asking all the you know cool questions. Yeah, yeah, cool man. Yeah, I've got a nine-year-old, so uh, that's great. Yeah. All right, then, mate. We're gonna let you go. Thanks for talking to us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. And um, and uh, we'll just promote uh, your tour to again. Yeah, hopefully we'll see you guys somewhere on the road. And if. Uh, if we're lucky, and if not, we'll we'll meet up next time or as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, when you come to, uh, are you going to come to Holland at all? I think in uh, February we'll be in Holland. All right, cool. Yeah, hopefully we can meet up then and have a beer. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great country. I love it. Yeah, that'd be cool. All right, then, mate. Thanks for joining right, us. Boys. Cheers, boys. Thank you so yeah. much. Have a great night. And you. Thanks, Thanks Doug. Thanks, mate. Bye, bye, guys. Bye, bye.